Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I think you're really gonna enjoy this one because I know that I am. I'm bringing a guest behind the microphones again with me today. It's Dr. Vincent Monticello from Monticello Family Dentistry in Florida. He has a very unique business uh, with a very unique model, and we are going to go deep into a lot of different areas. This is a guy who uh, sleeps probably one to two hours a night max, is a true workaholic and has created a phenomenal business. He's a great friend of ours and he's gonna share a lot of his wisdom along his personal journey. Be sure to brew another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee. Get your pad and pen ready. The Group Patents Accelerator podcast is on the air. Well, welcome everybody once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. Thank you very much for making a little bit of time for me and for me and my guest today on the show. I think y'all are going to love this the way I teased in the introduction. I'm joined on the show today for a personal journey. Dr. Vincent Monticello is founder uh, and owner of Monticello Family Dentistry, a multi-location group practice with a unique value proposition in the greater Tampa, Florida area. Vince, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for some time and for joining us. Hello, Perrin. Uh, looking forward to our conversation today. I, I am as well, and, and I have been for a little while now. We have we have known one another for um, a good number of years, probably like six or seven or something like that. Not that I'm keeping count. And um, your success uh, is is really the business you've created is a, a model that um, uh, I have so much respect for what you do, the way you do it. Uh, and we're going to dive into all of that. And this is going to be a significantly different wrinkle for most of our audience as they learn about uh, your overall journey. So I'm I'm super excited for today's conversation. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to call you a friend and friend of the family, f- friend of the show, friend of me and DeWalker. Um, and we learn a lot from uh, what you do and the way you do it. And I know our audience will be better for it. So let, let's maybe start uh, today's conversation and, and rewind the clock a bit. Uh, and talk about your background, like what you got, uh, why you got into dentistry in the first place, and maybe those early phases of your your journey in the profession. Can you take it from the top for us there? Sure, Perrin, love to. Uh, you know, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, um, and uh, I grew up in uh, an area called St. Clair Shores, which is a suburb outside of uh, Detroit. And I was influenced mostly, uh, actually, by my dentist. I, I was a uh, a newspaper delivery boy, and my dentist was actually on my route, and um, he would kind of influence me to go into dentistry. And uh, you know, my parents, my dad was a truck driver, my uh, my mother was a stay at home mom, so nobody in our family had gone to college. But um, I'd always been a good student, pushed ahead. I was pre med, 
And uh, my dentist asked, you know, why don't you come visit the office, spend a little more time there and just see if you really like this dentistry uh, profession. So he had a very cute assistant. So I'd like to visit often. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the dentistry part. So uh, when I was an undergrad, I thought, you know, I'm going to take the DAT and apply early to dental school and uh, I'll take it from there, see where see where it goes. And uh, fortunately, I was accepted at uh, UAD. Uh, it's now University of Trent Mercy, and I was off and running. So um, I had an agreement to actually take over my dentist's office. He was 68, 69 at the time. But uh, once uh, we got together, after I got to dental school, he really wasn't looking to retire. So within a year, I, I bought my first practice. It was about, uh, about an hour away and started to build that up. It was a small practice. And uh, we expanded that and then built another office. And um, I was working, you know, quite a bit. And um, we built a brand new practice uh, that was the largest dental office in town. And then coincidentally, the dentist uh, where I had started, he actually had gotten ill. And they asked me to come back and, and help keep that practice going. So I was actually running two offices at the time, you know, traveling between each one. And uh, it was good. It was hard work. I did it for about two years. Uh, and then he was able to get healthy and come back and he sold his practice. And, uh, you know, I built a, a really nice office. Everything was going great. I was living on the water in St. Clair, Michigan, overlooking Canada, single. Everything was good. And then I met my wife and 18 months later, I was in Florida. So it was, it was a little transition there. So uh, a little change of pace. My wife, uh, was a medical student, but she um, got accepted into dermatology residency in Florida. So, um, you know, I sold my practice, sold my home and uh, moved to Florida without a dental license because back then uh, there was no reciprocity. So I actually had to take the dental board. It's a three-day board in Florida just to, to get a license again. I had been out, you know, eight and a half years at the time and uh, wasn't used to going back to square one, but uh, it was a great transition and uh, it turned out to be you know, living in paradise here in Florida. It's been great. Yeah. So, so you built up your own little empire, had what most single guys would consider a perfect life, uh, met the love of your life, disrupted all of that, moved uh, to the other side of the country and had to get recertified to, to in fact, have a dental license in a new state. That is um, quite possibly the uh the definition of starting over vince i mean <laughs> that's it full commitment <laughs> yeah I, I, and I, I bet I, I bought a uh a small practice then here in florida uh really small uh four operatories and over the next you know five to six years we built that into a monstrosity we expanded it four times and um and kept expanding it and then we had to build out a, a parking lot. I bought all the homes behind the office. It, it just got bigger and bigger and became a, a big white elephant. It was, uh, you know, we were doing back in 2006, seven and eight, we were doing collections over 8 million a year, seeing 200 patients a day. You know, it was uh, a very large practice. It was fun, wow. but uh, yeah, it was, it was heavy work at the time. Yeah. So, so what was the context around that practice? It's obviously large footprint, uh, single location, um, you know, and, and very successful. You, you grew it quickly, but, um, what the type of dentistry that you were doing out of that initial practice, what did that look like? 
Yeah. So, you know, as you know, and maybe not our listeners, but uh, I'm a big advocate and been uh, doing uh, moderate sedation dentistry. So as I was building up that practice, you know, we obviously we do some advertising, creative advertising. So we have, you know, billboards, some TV ads, we have oversized postcards. So we were averaging, you know, 500 new patients a month. It was crazy um, how fast we were growing and just busting at the seams. So, you know, we had 42 full-time employees and um, I was doing mostly just the sedation dentistry. And then I had some associates that were doing all the general dentistry and we had uh, four or five hygienists full-time. So yeah, a very busy, you know, bread and butter practice. Uh, we did have a, have a crown and bridge lab there. Um, so that helped. And uh, yeah, it was great, but it was like an airport. There's so many people coming and going. It was a, it was a big operation. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's no small business, that's for sure, and <laughs> and very uh, a very dynamic business around the nature of the services provided. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was it was great. We had I had some specialists come in, so I had an endodontist on staff, a periodontist. Uh, come in part-time. So, you know, we were offering, uh, you know, most services and if the patient was sedated, they could usually have most of the work done in one seating. So, um, so that was, a, you know, quite a, quite a great service for, for the patient base. Excellent. Excellent. Obviously, um, I, I don't know if, I mean, I probably throw around the term unique too often, but like a, a on the sedation piece back then, that's a different wrinkle on, uh, a specialty, a general dentistry slash specialty type of a hybrid practice. Um, and obviously, uh, I would also think that based on where you are in that market of Florida, a, a you know, a, a very target rich environment for that type of an application, right? Yes. Uh, sedation has been uh, just great, uh, you know, for myself, for my practice. I don't think I'd be practicing if I wasn't doing sedation. I really enjoy it. You know, we're really helping out uh, the underdog. You know, we, we kind of say that we give hope to the fearful, you know, because, uh, you know, quite a few of our patients, you know, we kind of see high anxiety, gaggers, uh, Alzheimer's, special needs, you know, dental phobics, needle phobics, uh, things like that. People that really can't be treated in an ordinary setting. So, you know, we have patients driving, you know, from all over. Florida to come see us because there wasn't a whole lot of dentists that were offering that service. So um, we've now taken that to a to a new level. But uh, yeah, at the time, you know, that's all I was was doing was uh, sedation. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of um, the next uh, phase of the business, if you will. Um, take us through the thought process uh, around what happens next with a. I mean, because you could have. That's a very successful business. You could have just elected to stand pat, you know, and and stay where you were at that size and volume, and probably all the challenges that came along with it. But what was the what was the thought process from you on on the next phase after you reached that level of success? Yeah, you know, it was uh, I was getting a little burned out at the time, to be honest with you. Um, I was handling obviously all the HR, all the advertising, all the payroll. Plus, my wife had finished her residency and we opened her dermatology practice right next door. So I was handling all her business aspects. Um, so, you know, it was, at the time, it was a little overwhelming. And one of my associates had come to me and said, hey, doc, I'd like to, you know, buy into the practice. And I, I thought about it and I thought, well, maybe I'll just do sedation and 
sell off the general piece. So, so at that point, I said, well, we need to get it, you know, appraised. And I didn't want anybody in Florida because word gets around. So I, I used a group out of, um, out of your home state there, out of North Carolina, McGill and Hill. At the time, they had written the transition book for the ADA. So I used them and they came in for a few days and appraised it and, you know, and came back with this 58 page report. And, um, you know, it was quite a bit for the practice. And at the time, you know, if you remember that, that time, 2007, 2008, the markets were starting to go down. So my associate was like, I don't know if I can afford all that. And I said, well, that's okay. Well, it's fine. You know, we're, we're doing well. Everybody's making money. It's good. You know, I was fine. I was debt-free and, and had a, a booming practice. Uh, but then McGill and Hill came to me and said, you know, would you like us to market it? Would you like to sell it? I said, no, I can't. I can't sell it. I can't work for anybody else. And then I thought, I said, but, you know, if anybody came to the table with cash, I'd, I'd consider it. And a month later, they came back to me and said, yeah, we have a, a large DSO that would would definitely pay cash and uh, buy it out. So then I had to think about it and um, with the wife and the family. And, uh, you know, at the time I had finished my MBA and I was considering dental school or I'm sorry, law school. And I thought, yeah, this might be a good transition for me. Slow down a little bit, just do sedation and, and you know, get my law degree also. So um, I did decide to sell out at that time, 2008, to a large DSO. And I was supposed to work for them for three or four years. And, uh, you know, they said they liked what we were doing. They wanted to keep our systems and all, you know, how that goes. And, you know, after you sell out day one, they change all that. So it was, it was fine. You know, it was, it was a, a little transition for me. Uh, but I was still just doing the sedation. But then it got to a point where the, you know, the, you know, the staff was looking at, you know, the DSO and they were changing things. And, you know, we had our own systems and I used to lecture a little bit on practice management. So I had all these systems. So at that point, after about six months, I, I, I went to the DSO and I said, you know, um, I have this piece, you know, when I sold out the practice, I kept part of the hygiene uh, production collection. So how about I give it to you and you, you know, let me out of the last three years and, you know, we'll go our separate ways. And kudos to them. You know, they agreed. So I gave them that hygiene piece that was worth, you know, 250, 300,000. And I maintained the covenant not to compete, which was, which was huge at the time, 20 miles, uh, because of sedation, you know, we, we brought patients in from, Far distances, and uh, I was retired for six days. Uh, and I bought another practice. <laughs> another, I bought a small practice after that, and uh, that's where Montreal Family Institution Dentistry started over. So, um, the large practice, I, I actually learned a lot from the DSO regarding, you know, growth and how it's more important not to have this huge behemoth, but to have a bigger footprint. So. I bought a practice in Tampa, small practice. Within a year, we doubled it, um, started building that up. And then once my covenant FCP was up, I built a 6,500 square foot facility in Newport Ritchie with uh, no patients, uh, full CAD cam, full Crown and Bridge, full denture partial labs, 16 ops, you know, large practice with no patients. And uh, within a year, we did 4 million in that office. So. That started uh, started the process of building what we have now. So um, that's where we're at. So now we're at. Uh, we just um, we're building out our twelfth location now. Good grief! All right. So I just want to make sure that the audience got this. Okay. So 
uh, owning your own practice, managing your wife's dermatology practice, MBA, JD, <laughs> sale of the business, um, you know, exiting that business, buying and starting a new business, building a a huge operation with uh, basically from patient number one. I mean, for those of us who think that we have a lot going on in life, I mean, I think Vince is somebody that kind of redefines that um, workload. Uh, in addition, obviously successful family man has two daughters. We may talk about them a little bit down the road too, um, as one is in dental school and one's about to be in dental school. And I, I mean, just the amount that you get done in the number of hours per day and still have the disposition that you do and the level headedness is beyond me. I, I, um, I, I don't know that I would be, uh, able to handle that. So, um, a lot going on in a relatively short period of time. So let, let's talk about now you've built the cornerstone, um, for Monticello family and sedation dentistry. And, and you, you mentioned, uh, in closing that you're about to open your, your 12th location. That's, um, and these have all been de novo, is that right? We've acquired uh, two locations, mostly for the location. So I was looking in the area and if the practice is big enough, because, you know, we average at least 10 ops for all our locations. If it's big enough and in the right location on a main street, then we'll look at acquiring it. So we have acquired uh, a couple practices along the way, um, but we're strictly pretty much a de novo um, practice. Yeah. I, so the audience has heard me say on multiple occasions that we're big fans of the de novo strategy. And, you know, everybody, I think, views those comments with some degree of skepticism. I think DeWalker, to his credit, saw the um, the the successful application of a de novo strategy going back to his work as a banker with Pacific Dental Services that was predominantly de novo through the early years of, of their development. But, you know, also at, at more of a, to a degree, localized level in, in a unique um, application such as yours, de novo can be immensely successful. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of us that are only open to growing through acquisitions um, don't understand the challenges around uh, culture, integration, change management. You kind of lived through some of that on the uh, uh, of the sale of your prior business to the the DSO and some of the changes that that they wanted to make. Whereas here, you can do it your way, the right way, the first time, and you can kind of wash, rinse, repeat from both a personnel and a culture standpoint, but also from uh, those systems and processes that you work so hard to develop early on in your career. And when done correctly, it it yields a lot of success and you've obviously been able to unlock a lot of growth through it. So can you maybe give our audience some some of the inside look to maybe some of those early challenges, the reason that you were so um, confident around your yourself, your team, the de novo strategy, the brand that you had created and the ability to to kind of replicate at scale those marketing efforts too. Can you sort of weave the thread through all that that I just threw out? Sure, sure. I would say, you know, and a lot of credit goes to yourself and to Walker, um, adding on Polaris, you know, as as a partner. I consider you a business partner of our of our practice and 
you know, I've been with you, I think, since you started. Um, and I had gotten to a position of four offices and, you know, same thing, kind of hitting a, a bottleneck or a, a roadblock because I was handling, you know, everything again, you know, the the payroll and the marketing and um, all the HR in, in my wife's office also. And that's when Polaris uh, came along and uh, dealing with the Walker, you know, we had come to a point where I kind of had to make the decision of either pulling back and becoming the CEO, and you guys talk about that a lot, or continuing to practice and bringing somebody in to run the day-to-day operations. So, um, and that was at between four and five locations. Um, I took your advice and I did, I brought in a uh, director of operations to run the day-to-day practice and we built our support center. So, you know, a lot of people talk about the dark tunnel or the gray tunnel, you know, putting out the, you know, the funds to build a support center um, before you actually start utilizing it. So um, we've now expanded the support center three times. Um, So we have our director of operations, we have HR, we have recruiting, we have accounting, we have marketing, we have IT, uh, we have a call center, we have all insurance verification, everything happens out of the out of the uh, support center, so a important bottleneck that we were able to get rid of. I think I was the bottleneck uh, was to bring on the director of operations to run the day to day, so that I could continue to practice. I really enjoyed the sedation dentistry, and I wanted to expand that. But as you know, I know you were a strategic coach client. You know, we kind of have to utilize our unique ability. And mine, uh, even though I, I know the business part of it, um, I'm not as excited about the analytics as my director of operations is. He's not a dentist. He's a, he's a businessman. So he runs the day-to-day and I handle the doctors and more of the systems in the practice. So, um, you know, that allowed us to really open up a lot and to start, could scout more locations for our de novo. So, and it, as you know, and DeWalker knows, uh, growing de novo might be a little harder because the banks like to see cash flow with de novo. You don't have, you don't have a cash flow. You're starting from zero. So we had a good track record. So we are able to guarantee the bank that each de novo location will do a million dollars in collections its first year. And we've hit on that every time. So with our little niche of sedation dentistry, we bring in a kind of a higher uh, patient acceptance uh, fee structure for sedation. We're able to do a lot more uh, on the patient, so that increases uh, the revenue. So with our de novo and having our support center behind us, we kind of have a blueprint on how every office is going to be. So we have a checklist. We know 90 days out from opening, everybody has their own responsibilities, and every office, every drawer, and every operatory is exactly the same. So if we have an assistant that calls in sick. We can send someone from another location to help out, and they know where everything is. The systems are all the same. The the operatories are all the same. You know, everything's run the same. That's one of the advantages of de novo. You're not trying to modge all these different offices, you know, into your systems. So our systems are all the same. You know, we can add a office into our software in about two hours just by blueprinting, you know, the schedule and adding it online. So you know, that makes it really easy to do our de novo growth strategy. 
And for us, it, it works best, especially with sedation, because we need to control that piece. And I use, you know, seasoned doctors, um, unlike other DSOs who get a lot of kids out of school, you know, I need to be able to place a doctor in an office that can handle a broken tooth, that can handle the emergencies, that can handle the schedule that we give them. So we try to provide um, each doctor in each location 100 new patients a month. So that keeps the ball rolling, that keeps the practice booming, and uh, that keeps the revenue going. So that allows us to continue our de novo strategy and continue to place our offices strategically in the demographic positions that we that we like. Wow. Wow. That's uh, so hopefully the audience picked up on a, a handful of the, the discipline in terms of metrics behind that de novo strategy. You mentioned being able to to show proof of concept to the bank and uh, the all but guarantee that you're going to hit a million dollars in collections within the first 12 months. <clears throat> so right there, you know, every, for those in the audience that have heard some of the podcasts I've done on on de novo specifically, you know your number, you can course correct accordingly on a month-to-month basis, you have proof of concept that makes your ultimate business partner happy, and that is the bank, because you want to be able to, to replicate this strategy on one to two locations a year moving forward, that's critically important, and, and you know when something is off early on, the adjustments you have to make. Um, I think that's that's a critical component to it the ability to to scale those systems and processes uh both on the lead up to opening but certainly on the um uh you know the the post opening uh early months to make sure that you're on the the right track uh to to create that level of success is really key you know and you mentioned the the associate piece of it um, I'd like to dig into that just a little bit more if we could, because, sure. you know, in a in a group of your size and I mean, Vince, it's not just that you're about to open your 12th location. These are larger footprint businesses. This is not your average, your ADA average general dentistry type practice. These are higher volume, different patient demands, discipline, um, overall, you know, revenue volume and everything like that. This is a this is a much larger business even than what it appears on paper. And the associates are mission critical to creating the stability component of the business, but also the ability to execute what makes you different and the competitive advantage you've created in the marketplace. So let, let's talk just a little bit on, um, you mentioned you're not looking for um, kids right out of school. You know what. What are you uh, looking for? How do you think about it? What does the recruiting process look like? And and how do you go about uh, further developing a necessary skill set around the unique value proposition of the business overall? So we've, we've been pretty fortunate. You know, um, I have a lot of long-term uh, doctor associates, and I credit that part to Polaris because we have a doctor equity program in place that you guys set up, but also um, that they do very well uh, in our practices, uh, especially our sedation docs. They make twice as much as as a regular associate, Uh, but there's a process to that too, for us to put them through the training for that. But we, I don't hire anyone with less than five years experience. And I really think they, they haven't broken enough teeth out in the real world. They haven't treatment planned enough. They haven't seen Enough. They haven't really learned, uh, you know, how to relate with a new patient. So um, our our kind of our baseline is is minimum five years, 
Um, I, I have no problem if they're out of a, another DSO because I think they appreciate our model better because we're not run by an equity company. We're, you know, a small business. Uh, I own everything. So, um, we don't have to follow, you know, some of these equity companies rules and regulations, but, um, our doctors, you know, I don't, I, I do. I watch over everything because we own the labs too. So I'm able to see the lab work. We're able to see the processes, the systems. And, you know, we watch the numbers, uh, you know, quite closely. We're a totally transparent company. So everybody sees our numbers, um, within the company. Um, so we don't have a problem with that, but these doctors, uh, we guarantee a first year salary uh, for them, minimum salary. Obviously, they can make more than that. Um, so that's how we're able to recruit them. Uh, we also cover, you know, all their medical, all their malpractice. We have a 401k match program, the doctor equity program. You know, we pay for um, general dentists. We pay 30% of collections and we collect everything. Um, and for our specialists, it's 40% plus. Um, and then we have the sedation certification program, uh, which is really unique to us, to our practice. And we have some other benefits. You know, we don't work any nights or weekends. Um, and they have, you know, really good benefits uh, with our company. And then we have some culture events that you mentioned briefly. We try to have a, you know, a culture event for the staff and doctors about every quarter. So in the first quarter, we have Dentistry from the Heart, which is a big charity event we've been doing for 22 23 years. Um, it's it's great. We bring all the practices together. We provide a great service to the community, but it's also a great opportunity for everybody to get together and we play good music. We have special, you know, uniforms for that day and uh, a lot of swag and we feed everybody well. We have a good time. Uh, so it's a good event. And then the second quarter, we always have our office family picnics. So we have, you know, approximately 300 people there, all the kids. We have a carnival setting, lots of food, games, prizes, raffles, all the bouncy houses, everything there, you know, and then as the year goes on, we, you know, we do a lot of the events. We have, uh, you know, office content. We have a monthly contest, but we also have decorating contests for Halloween, for Christmas, uh, for the practices. And we have the toys for tots and the, the candy buyback for Halloween. And then in the fourth quarter, we have our, our, our big, uh, office holiday party last year was at the Tampa convention center, you know, so it was a big deal. We had a, a gambling night and DJ and food and dancing a couple of years ago before COVID, we rented out the Florida aquarium. So that was a big event for our holiday party. So we try to have nice events and we also have doctor uh, quarterly meetings uh, that we do at a nice restaurant, you know, food and drink uh, with the doctors. We close down early that day and have a nice, uh, a nice meal. We do a lot of, internal CE for the, our sedation docs, and then also take them away to the meeting. So there's a lot of benefits for our associates. Um, we like to to say it's the Monty family, dental family. We like to bring them into the family. And, uh, you know, once they, you know, are part of the family, uh, we try to treat them right and keep them long-term. And that's been a little of our secret sauce is maintaining good long-term uh, docs. You know, we do have, we do stumble here and there and, you know, uh, have one that we have to let go. But uh, for the most part, they do well, we do well, and it's a win-win uh, situation for our associates. That's tremendous. I mean, it's it obviously you're a very culture forward 
type of a company that supports those super producer associates. Um, but you, it's tough to do one without the other, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't want to train and coach up a, a, a high performing associate and make them feel like they're on an Island. So it really is kind of the, um, the marketing, the systems, the processes, the team that supports those super producers that, uh, that allows them to excel at what they do. I mean, it's, it's a, symbiotic relationship if you will and and ultimately the um the opportunity to earn equity into the business is is all the the better and uh, it helps to to retain them for the long haul i mean your early investment in a lot of them to to make them into the the super clinicians that they are uh that's more than just time and effort that's that's dollars that's patience that's all of the above and and the system you know it, the proof is in the concept and and it obviously is self-perpetuating at this point so very very enviable type of a business but um one that was built through a lot of uh hard work uh, a lot of um I would say sleepless nights, but once again, I'm not sure how much you sleep anyway, but, um, I, I think the, it's neat to see this type of, a a unique business, uh, at scale, uh, really a testament to, um, your smarts and your, uh, your diligence and, and making it happen. That's. Well, I appreciate that, but, uh, I hope to, to give the credit a little bit more to the team, especially my executive team and the support center who really make the day to day operations uh, easier. And I really think bigger is easier because I've been able to now limit myself to what I'm responsible for. So, um, you know, the doctors that come into our practice, uh, they spend the first two weeks with me shadowing me. And it's it's not to learn dentistry because they're, you know, they're seasoned dentists. It's just to learn the systems in our practice, how we blueprint our schedule, how the systems work, how all the paperwork works, even though we're digital. Um, you know, how our software works, um, how our analytical software works, so they can view that at home at their discretion. So really, it's learning the systems. And I tell the docs, you know, once you learn the systems, every day coming to work should be uh, very easy, because we're just doing bread and butter dentistry, we're doing the same things, we're just doing it over and over with different personalities of patients. So, you know, learning our systems is, is really the trick. And, you know, I'm in charge of that to make sure the doctor's and I support all the docs. They, you know, they text me all the time. And I, I try to do every couple of weeks, I'll do a Sunday night video to the docs, uh, just a little 10 minute uh, video that I send to them, you know, pumping them up for the new week, but really going over any, uh, any new supplies that uh, we've tried out, any new uh, paperwork that we have for sedation, any new equipment we're adding. So, um, we, I like to keep in contact uh, as much as possible with the docs. Constant touch. That's a uh, that's that's a key to it. Um, uh, employee engagement is is certainly worth the time. Hey, it's Perrin. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to learn more in depth about partnerships and associates, be sure to download our white paper called "Creating Sustainable Success." in attracting and retaining associates. And if you wanna learn more granular detail about buy-in and earn-in structures, as well as the legal aspects required to facilitate all of it, you should join us in Scottsdale on October 11th through 13th for our Scaling from Clinician to CEO Summit, 
because there'll be three different presentations dealing with all of that. And you'll have access to some incredibly bright minds over those three days. I'll drop a link in the show note for both the white paper and the registration for the conference to make it easy on you. Now, back to the show. So I want to pivot our conversation just a little bit here um, and and talk about your um, your ownership of the business, your role in the business, you know, how you kind of split time. Obviously, you're you're working a, a good bit clinically. You've mentioned on several uh, instances that you enjoy the clinical dentistry, uh, uh, sedation side of clinical dentistry. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, one, uh, how, how you split your time between ownership or CEO responsibilities and, and clinician responsibilities, but also relative to all that, you know, how What's your personal feeling about the business that you've created up to this point, um, just a, as an owner? Can That's maybe two different questions, but maybe you can dive into both of them. Sure, Aaron. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited about the company that we've built. My name's on the door, so I try to watch over uh, really the patient satisfaction part of it. Um, that's important. And, uh, you know, we do... Um, watch our, our Google ratings. It's part of the office of the month. It's one of the, uh, one of the qualities that we look at. Um, so that, that, that's important, you know, but so I try to control that, but being the CEO and as we keep growing, I keep, um, limiting, you know, what I'm responsible for. So I'm kind of, you know, overseeing and being the visionary, picking the new locations and being responsible for sedation and the doctors. Um, and as we get bigger, we add more, um, you know, management pieces to help manage the other parts of the business. So, you know, that's that's happened, you know, uh, for us as we've grown. So that's why I said the support centers, you know, expanded three times. Um, and we're going to continue to do that as we as we need to. You know, as far as, you know, my position uh, two weeks ago, uh, we just had our, our company wide meeting. So we closed down all the locations on a Friday, brought everybody together and kind of had our growth journey. So, you know, we had a full day, breakfast, lunch, we had breakout sessions. We talked about where we've come. And then I ended the, the day talking about where we're growing to. So uh, another part of our culture, but it allows all the staff, you know, from, you know, the front desk, the, you know, the, the assistants and back to our lab personnel, everybody is connected. And I want them all to know, you know, what our vision is for the future. So uh, we do have a vivid vision that uh, we follow. And um, that's, you know, what we, those are our footsteps on, on a daily basis, where we're growing and where we're going. So it's important that the staff and the associates and everybody involved in Montreal Family and Sedation Dentistry knows where the future is and, and what we're working towards. You know, we're, we're, like I said earlier, we're trying to give hope to the fearful. You know, we, we try to have our little niche in helping the underdog. And that's really been uh, a great piece of our, of our growth and our future. And that's what we're going to continue to do. So we're really, you know, we have a certain wheelhouse of where we put our offices, how we do things. That's why we only grow one to two a year. We kind of march to a, a little different drummer. We're not looking to acquire 30 offices in a year that doesn't that doesn't fit our wheelhouse. We're very consistent on our growth and what we do. 
and, you know, try to control that so that we can have the patient satisfaction and continue to support, you know, the 120, 130 families that we go to work for every day. Wow. What a what a story. What a, a disciplined leader, a visionary uh, leader uh, and, and something that a lot of our audience can um, can take away. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of people in the audience that are probably in the. I don't know, three to four, five location range, and they they aspire to get to ten to fifteen, sort of the 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 space that you're in. And and hearing you talk about it, uh, it's a little bit of a different conversation at a um, uh, you know company wide level, I'll say, than some of the challenges that uh, that they encounter on a day to day basis. But obviously, uh, yours is a business that is relatively unique with both its challenges and its outcomes. Uh, and, and, um, you've been able to, to really do it at scale. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's an amazing story, amazing, uh, growth journey, uh, that you've been on. Um, let's take a, a second and talk, a talk a little bit. Um, you've got two daughters, um, in, uh, one in dental school, one probably about to be in dental school. What's what's the next phase of the personal journey? You think with uh, with some of that? I think that's exciting too, Vince. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm very proud of my daughters. Uh, they're great students. You know, obviously they take after their mother uh, in, that, <laughs> in that point. But uh, um, yes, you know, I've I've they've been brought up with dentistry. They've been at our dentistry from the heart events since they were young. You know, we have videos where they're they're young and they're there handing out things. And uh, so I think they've been uh, either brainwashed or influenced a little bit to, to continue in dentistry. And I really think the challenges of medicine, because my wife would have preferred, you know, for them to follow her. But medicine is, you know, after Obamacare, most uh, doctors are owned by the hospital or some type of group. So I think dentistry really gives you that that independence to continue and be an entrepreneur. Um, so my daughters, um, I've kind of hoped that they would specialize. And I keep telling them, if you specialize when you get out, if you come back to Tampa, um, you know, I, I can make you busy on day one. I have enough offices. We can refer to you. Um, I never push them to come work for me. Um, but I do kind of have a deal with my daughters. Um, I've promised to pay for all their education, um, you know, and UPenn Dental is about 130 a year, uh, doesn't include living expenses. So I pay for, you know, their private education and I tell them to stay in school as long as they need to, specialize preferably. But when you get out, you have to come back to Tampa. So you don't have to work for daddy. Um, but I really, you know, want my kids, I want my grandkids to be close. And it's really about family. You know, and they love Tampa. All their friends are here. You know, we live on the water. They enjoy, you know, uh, what we have here. Um, so they're excited to come back to Tampa. You know, when they come home for the holidays, we always want to take them places. They always want to stay home. So um, so they really want to be back in Tampa. But, you know, for me, it's really I don't want my daughters on the other side of the country where I only see them two or three times a year or my grandkids. I, I really want them close. So that's that's kind of the, the family journey I'm, I'm pushing for and hoping for. So I'm proud of the girls. I'm proud of what they've accomplished. And, uh, you know, I'm going to support them along the way and, uh, and hope that uh, in the end, you know, the, the grandkids are here in town and uh, my daughters are either working close or working with me, you know, so that's, that's what I, that's why I'm still practicing. It's been, you know, this is my 33rd year. 
you know, so I'm going to keep going. I enjoy what I do. Uh, but it's really about uh, being an example for the girls. That's, that's good stuff. That's the, between your family and the, um, the dentistry from the heart component, that's the leaving of the legacy aspect of it. And I, I really appreciate you just giving us all a glimpse into what some of that looks like for you, because we don't talk about that a lot on the pod. We, we don't talk about it at all on the podcast. Um, and all too often, that's never even a point of conversation with um, too many of our clients. And I think that your willingness to share that is um, is something special for the audience. And it's also a, a, a tacit reminder of um, why we do what we do and and beyond just making money and valuation and all this other stuff that we talk about way too often that's a big compelling reason why and i've seen that in your your vivid visions that you shared with us in the past too i still have a copy of one of them that might be a little bit out of date now Vince. so i need to get a new one from you but um but it's it's the mark of a very disciplined leader so thank you for for giving us a look behind the curtain on that you know as we wrap up our conversation today um Maybe if I could ask you one last question on, you know, parting words of wisdom for the audience, or if you if you had one piece of advice to share with yourself early on in the journey, what that might be, or just kind of a, a look back um, uh, at the earlier stages of your journey. And I don't know if it's something you'd do differently or a piece of advice, but anything you might be able to share with those who are in the early stages of building their own Monticello family dentistry. Well, I think two points. One, um, I appreciate the help that Polaris has given me. I really think they have been a great business partner. Um, because you have so many clients, you see different doctors at different phases, from startups to you know acquisitions to selling out, things of that sort. But it kind of gives me, as a small DFO, um, a blueprint. You know, so I've, I've followed the steps. As far as, you know, the support center, bringing in a director of operations, the doctor equity plan, and then, you know, the credit facilities that we've worked on to continue the growth. So, Polaris, um, kudos to you. You guys have uh, helped me along the way and uh, will continue uh, to be a business partner of mine. You know, as, as far as, you know, my journey and, and my advice, it would just be to really enjoy the journey and don't miss out on the experiences. Um, I, I'm all about that. I live a very good quality of life and um, I try to make the experiences, the family experiences important. And, you know, when the girls wanted to do something, they were just home, both of them for Father's Day and they wanted to take me to a spinning class. Um, and I said, of course, you know, they still want to hang out with dad. I'll go. And my wife's like, you're going to die. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you know, how many opportunities, how long are they going to want to hang out, you know, with that? So uh, I survived. It was a good time. We had, we had a good, uh, a good father's day. So those kind of experiences are just, you know, what we live for. So, you know, my advice is enjoy the journey. You know, um, I read a book where they talked about QTL quality time lapse. You know, nobody's going to look back on, you know, how many offices or how hard you worked or where your numbers were, you know, that's what Dennis talked about. You know, but the real quality comes in the relationships, you know, between friends and family. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I value probably the most. You know, dentistry has given me the opportunity to do that and to, to live a good life and to con continue to do what I enjoy. That's why I still practice, you know, but it's really, you know, the journey. You know, they say uh, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. 
And, you know, I, I try to try to live that. I try to push that to my, to my daughters and, you know, I keep pushing, you know, I talk about every day, dominating the day and doing the best I can and, you know, waking up tomorrow, making it another step in the right direction. So that's my advice. There's going to be, you know, if you're, if you're building the DSO, as you know, Aaron, there's going to be lots of peaks and valleys. There's lots of disappointments and, uh, you know, you're kind of, uh, you know, it's lonely at the top, you know, and you're going to go through that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a DSO owner, you know, but I think, uh, I think what we're building is, is important. I think what, uh, you know, what we do at Montreal Family Installation Dentistry is really important to the people that we give it to. Um, so we're going to continue that journey and Polaris at our side. I think, uh, it's going to be a long road. So hopefully, uh, we'll continue growing. Yeah, that's so well said. Thank you um, for once again being candid. And I mean, you and I are are probably similar ages and stages of life. Uh, I'm I'm I'll be 53 at the end of this year, and our our daughter's nine. We my wife and I got married a little bit later in life, and um, you know, I, I'll say that the as I kind of get a little bit older and evaluate being an entrepreneur. Um, at several phases of this stage of my career and life and everything that um, I don't even call it life balance anymore, but it's the it's understanding what the priorities are in life and where they fit and and not becoming one dimensional and entrepreneurship um, for all of its merits uh, really can lend itself in a very bad way to people developing soul focus at the exclusion of other pieces of life. And, and that creates massive problems and collateral damage. And I, I think your synopsis of that is, um, is a great way to, to wrap up this interview. And it's a great takeaway. And, and frankly, one that, again, we don't talk about nearly enough with our clients at Polaris, and we don't talk about on the podcast with all the people in the audience. So thank you for, for sharing all that in your candor. Thanks for Thanks for being a friend. Thanks for for trusting us in our working relationship. DeWalker and I and our team here at Polaris treasure it. And and like I say, we're we're big fans of yours uh, and what you've created. We genuinely admire it, um, but also just uh, really treasure the the um, opportunity to call you a friend of the family, so to speak, uh, and know you as well as we do. So thanks for being on the show with me today, Vince. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your guidance and and all the words of wisdom you've shared. Likewise, Karen. It's been a, a great adventure, and we'll continue it. You bet. I, I have a feeling our audience is going to want uh, want me to have you back on um, in the not too distant future. So this may be part one of many to come, but uh, <laughs> I, I I certainly look forward to that. You're a very busy guy, and to take an hour out of your time this morning is um, is quite a treat for me. So thank you again for that, and. For all of you in the audience, thank you all for for being um, in the audience. Thank you for being supporters of, of ours. Thank you for sharing the show, give us giving us the ratings, the accolades that you do. Um, it really uh, makes our journey worth the while as well. And you can count on more wisdom and guidance to come on the next episode. We'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.